welcome to episode 107 of the Half Point for Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie and producer, Johnny Pham. Guys, we've got a very fun show today. Prop bets, just like last week, and quarterback and wide receiver ranks. And, you know, the, the tight ends and running backs, we had some differences here and there, Dalton. We, we had some differences with consensus with each other. I really feel like wide receiver is where it kind of gets wild, though. So that'll be uh, be fun to get to today. But how are you both on on this fine evening? Does it get wild, or do you just get wrong? I can't tell. I mean, I think both. <laughs> wide wide receiver is really difficult. Really, it's, really difficult. It's insane, um, and probably one of the wilder years. I mean, we both have three wide receiver twos in the top fifteen, which doesn't feel like something that happens frequently to, to be clear Dalton means wide receiver twos on their own team in, in the top 15 yes. because it does happen every year actually that there's a there's there's three wide receiver twos in the top 15 that's <laughs> 13 14 15 <laughs> Johnny how are you tonight been watching some uh some Wimbledon today a little, little Wimby action I see Taylor Fritz finally got back on the court and got his win okay I mean the the weather just needs to pick it up there's like four players into round two we're yeah. already on day three like it's just it's just a nightmare scenario for Wimby right now but that was a that was a fun match to watch and um you know get the betting bug in since we desperately need some action but happy to be here you know um let, let's get to something only slightly more relevant to fantasy football than Wimbledon and that's Russell Wilson we're gonna start with him <laughs> Uh, his player prop um, you know I, I went with five guys whether it is by situation or the player themselves where I feel like it, it's murky and and Russell Wilson is the lead here um, his over under for passing yards is 3,750 and a half plus 120 if you bet the over minus 140 if you bet the under Dalton I'll start with you uh, what are you taking here yeah, I'm going with the over on this one. Like last year was as abysmal of a season as he could get, and he only played 15 games and hit 3,500 passing yards. So I'm pretty confident that with an improved offensive play caller in Sean Payton, he, he's going to hit the over here. This isn't one of those situations where I'm worried about him getting benched because the Broncos are clearly still trying to win. Uh, whether or not like they're going to win is a different question, but there's no one else on that roster I'm worried about them benching him for. The only thing I'd be worried about him not hitting this would be whether or not he gets injured. But I think he, if he's healthy, he plays a full 17 games, and I think he can comfortably hit 4,000 yards with Sean Payton calling the plays. It's funny. Um, I actually had just the, the tiniest thought in my mind that, oh, God, what what if Russ gets benched this year? <laughs> I, I think there's like at least a 5% chance. Not, not high. But he hasn't hit this number since 2020. If you take the two games post Nathaniel Hackett last year, which again, very small sample size, but relevant because Hackett was that bad. Russ was on pace for about 4,300 yards in that 17 game season. Not saying that's what he's going to have, but I do think he gets the, the Sean Payton bump here who has had outside of 2021, the saints as a team or drew Brees as a quarterback, if he didn't get injured, hit the over on that number for like the last decade. So I'm taking the over even though I don't think it's by much. I had to definitely think about this one. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna go with the over as well. I'm kind of shocked with the it being um, plus money for yeah. the over because, like you said, like he's hit it. Has I guess it's because of recency bias. If he hasn't hit the last three years, but plus one twenty, that's good value. I I think he should hit it. I don't think he'll hit four thousand, but I think he should be able to hit over. It's a real great sign that we're all on the plus 120 <laughs> side of this. Just no, what what could possibly Vegas go wrong? Vegas never wins, so I, I think we're good. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. All right, uh, from one kind of bad quarterback situation to another, Kenny Pickett, his over-under is 3,000.5 passing yards. Kind of like Russ, the, the over at plus 100, so you can get good value on that over the under minus 120. So obviously Vegas is leaning under. And as am I, I am leaning the under here, even though this is a pretty low number, even on a 17 game pace last year, he was still set to miss this mark by 150 yards. Obviously he didn't play all 17 last year. It took time for him to start Matt Canada, still the offensive coordinator. That is my number one issue with with this line right now. Like I think the Steelers can improve. He, He can have a better year, but I, I still I, I don't want to bet the over on Matt Canada's quarterback. <laughs> I just don't want to do it. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm in agreement with you. I I, I can see how he can hit the over, um, but it's just such a risky proposition because he didn't show a lot last year as far as being an effective playmaker. And even with an addition in Allen Robinson – to that wide receiver room and maybe adding another weapon and another year forward with George Pickens. I don't see this offense improving significantly. I think they're still a team that's going to rely on their defense. And again, I mean, you took it out of my mouth, but Matt Canada is probably the worst play caller in the NFL by like a, a pretty good margin. And I think most of the NFL was expecting him to be fired this offseason and he wasn't. And, and with the way Kenny Pickett is, I just don't think he's going to make any strides without a better play caller. Uh, especially a guy who hates calling play action as much as Matt Canada does, which is one of the easiest gimmies for quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Johnny? Uh, I'm going to go with the under as well. The offense didn't improve that much for me. I mean, you can only throw to Muth as much as you can over the middle, <laughs> but I, I don't think he'll get the uh, the over here. So I'm going to go with the under, safe play. I hate agreeing with you guys every single pick so far, so I'm sure we'll uh, – Shake it up soon. Don't worry. I, th- I think these next three are where we're gonna where we're gonna diverge here, and I, I definitely think this one. So DeAndre Swift uh, talked about him plenty last week. His over under is five hundred and a half rushing yards, minus one fifteen for the over, minus one oh five for the under. So pretty even there, obviously. And Dalton, uh, I think we all know which direction you're leaning after last week, but want to make it official. Well, I mean, I didn't say I was going to go under here. Um, I I actually think with this being so low, I'm taking the over. No. Wow. <laughs> I, Nobody I mean, saw that coming. I mean, he's hit this every every year of his career, mm-hmm. and it it's just not a hard number to hit. I think this is a this this number is whether or not he plays 17 games, right? Like, if he plays 17 games, he can average 50 yards a game and get this easy. Which yeah, but he's he's not gonna play 17 games. That like that's let's be clear. I mean, we don't know. But I mean, I'm taking the over on this easily. Like my 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 problem with DeAndre Swift in fantasy is that I don't think he's going to get significant work and is going to be worth a top 24 investment. 
but him getting 550 yards over the course of 17 games is not something that I think is impossible to do. Last season, like some players like Alexander Madison, who didn't start any more than three games, hit this number. Like it's pretty wild the number of backs who hit this number last year. It's it's funny that it seems like I thought harder about taking the under than you, but I have him as like my RB27. You have him as your RB48. So I'm not like exactly sure how how to um, reconcile with that. I'm taking the over, but I think you can make the argument that 500 is pretty close to a ceiling. And the only reason why I ended up leaning over is I just keep remembering Rashad Penny misses not just games, a lot of games every year. So there's probably going to be games where Swift is is the top guy in this backfield. But for the games where Penny's playing, it may very well go Penny, Jalen Hurts, and then DeAndre Swift. And that's on like a, a decent day for Swift. Maybe Gainwell gets worked in there. So I, I can see the under being very much in play. I'm not betting this. And you mentioned it's about how many games he can play. And more specifically for me is can he get to 100 carries? He barely topped that number last year. And so he barely topped this yardage number in 14 games. And you just got to play enough to, to, to get that volume. Yeah. Ultimately. And just to be clear, I don't think there's an edge with this. Like either way, I wouldn't recommend betting this with real no. money. There, no. there are way better props out there. Like there's no edge because not that it's going to happen, but like right now there's a high, like there's a chance DeAndre Swift gets cut. Like we talked about it last week, but he got, it was a seventh round pick. He was traded for, they have more than enough running backs on their team. Like somebody's getting cut by the start of the season, not saying it's going to be Swift, but at the very least, I'd wait for that. And then also just gives you more information to work with this line. If to he, be clear, if he gets cut and doesn't play, I guess if he gets cut, will it like void the bet? Because I think it, it's like he has to play a snap for the Eagles for it to count. See, that I don't, I don't, know, if pro- I don't know if these props are team based or player based. Because he could play player based, then he could play snaps somewhere else. No I don't know. I I really I, I don't think he's gonna be cut. I um not not in that camp. Um Johnny, what what are you taking here? I'm gonna go with the over. I'm not on the camp of Swift being cut. Um I don't like people losing their jobs, unlike somebody in the True. in the room here. Uh but yeah, I, I, I think he'll hit the over here. How many jobs did Swift cut by being a second round pick last year and sucking? Man, Dalton was probably just best day of his life was when ESPN made their cuts last Friday. He was just loving that, wasn't he? He's like, give me more. <laughs> All right. I, I really thought that's where we were going to differ. Um, fourth one here, Michael Pittman over under 825 and a half receiving yards plus 105 for the over minus 125 for the under and I really, really hate to do this. Like, I, I wanted to be on the over so we're bad. We're just doing – we're just in agreement this week. I, I mean, the, I this is two weeks in a row now. Um, it, it's, He's a really, really good player. You just wonder how ready Anthony Richardson is going to be as a passer in his rookie year. His number, for some added context, is 26 and 100 – 2,600, excuse me. Uh, that over-under, so very low. I would guess one of the lowest, if not the lowest, among starting quarterbacks besides Jimmy Garoppolo, who may not have a number posted right now for, for medical reasons. Um, he's hit this number back-to-back years, Pittman has, with very bad quarterback play, so he could definitely do it, but I, I think he's going to be hovering close enough around this that I'm just going to probably 
side on if he plays 14 games he's not hitting that over yeah and i'm in agreement with you i'm very high on anthony richardson but that's not because of his passing i think he's going to be a good passer to be in the nfl um but i i don't necessarily know if michael Pittman's the best fit on this team for him again i agree with you he's an amazing player but i think alec pierce is going to be the deep ball choice for anthony richardson and it seems like josh downs is being brought in very likely to run their short routes and if there was anywhere that the tape showed Richardson struggled as a passer, it was short and intermediate routes, which is where I think Pittman has shined. Uh, and then I think that the Colts as a whole are just going to probably embrace a more run-heavy philosophy, and there's just going to have to be a major efficiency from Michael Pittman on whatever his target volume is to hit that number. And he's not a huge yak guy, which is where you would want him to hit this yards at that point. So I'm with you. I'm hitting the under on this one. Johnny? Wow. You guys don't believe in Jim Bob Cuda. <laughs> I'm going with the over here. I like it. Like you said, the last two years just atrocious of quarterbacks. And yep. I don't know how Dalton's high on Anthony Richardson, but then low on Pittman. Don't know. It does make sense, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit D over here. All right. Last one. Uh, a similar deal where you have to either bet on the talent winning or the situation winning. You know, these are the ones that always bait me. These low touchdown totals. We've done some of these last couple of years. I I think we hit with Garrett Wilson last year. Uh, Chase Claypool famously, I think, scored two touchdowns. We need him to score like four last year. (laughs) So a gamble here with Drake London. His over under for receiving touchdowns is four and a half plus 100 on the over. So a uh, little, little juice on on that under at minus 120. Put this one on here because it, you know, for a guy that Dalton and I both have in the top 30 of our receiver ranks, this is an incredibly low number. Dalton, what what do you say with with this over under here? I'm unfortunately taking the under and wow, the stats validate me here. First of all, four touchdowns would have been 25% of Atlanta's passing touchdowns last season. And that's it what was, he had. He had four touchdowns yes, last Yes, he season. did. And he would need five this year. Uh, that's number one. Number two, the rush rate for Arthur Smith offenses over the last three years in the red zone is 82%. Like, he just wants to run the ball in the red zone. They added Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they added some guy they might want yeah. to do. And, and he hit four touchdowns without Kyle Pitts. I know Kyle Pitts does not have a touchdown on American soil. <laughs> I do anticipate that to change in year three of his NFL career. But it's just there's there's no there's just not a situation where I think the pass rate increases on this team, especially in the red zone. And I'm also going not going to buy into Desmond Ritter and or Tyler Heineke as improving that pass rate. So I'm just gonna take the under. I don't know about improving that pass rate, but I am gonna buy into to one or both of those guys if they both play, just improving the passing efficiency of that team, not because either one of them is great because Marcus Mariota was just that bad last season. I can't wait to watch him on the quarterback Netflix series coming out next week. I'm taking the over here. And like I said, this is probably bait, but I'm taking it because all all the guy needs is like one, two touchdown game. And you are feeling great about him scrounging three touchdowns. If he plays a relatively full season, like Drake London, amazing player. I think we can all agree that he's one of the up and coming studs. In the NFL, big-bodied receiver, like has the profile of a guy that should be a high touchdown guy. This prop is clearly all about situation. Uh, I think we're all in agreement there. I'm, I'm just betting on the player 
having like two awesome games that that he can top this number and hit it. I agree. I'm on the over as well. Who had more red zone targets last season? Drake London or Michael Pruitt for the Atlanta Falcons? I have no idea. Michael Pruitt did. They both had four touchdowns, by the way. Well, there you go. Look how efficient he was with his low volume. Stop. Imagine if he gets more. <laughs> that is not that is not what we're taking away from this. Look, look. I know we're not blaming this on Drake London, right? Like the, that no. clearly clearly not Drake London's fault. We are blaming this on Arthur Smith, who has a history of just not utilizing his passing weapons effectively. Kyle Pitts being back will presumably take away touchdown opportunities, but also All you know London. Bad bad quarterbacks. Um I say bad. Matt Ryan wasn't bad, but Matt Ryan was famous for throwing to everybody but Julio in the red zone because the defense was like, please throw to anybody but Julio. And he was like, all right, fine. And it didn't work more often than it worked. It seemed like, I think that's probably kind of what happened with, with the Pruitt London thing. It's like, we take away London and you throw it to all of your other terrible players. Well, now they've got more weapons where London should get better looks in the red zone. That, that's the hope at least. And the hope is that he's efficient with those. All right, let's move on to quarterback and receiver rankings. Dalton, any preference on on which one we start with? I'm good either way. We could start with quarterback. It probably runs through quicker than it does with wide receiver. All right, so with quarterback, I, I guess first of all, um, any any big takeaways after you you went through your quarterback rankings? You know, last year it was really tough after the top six or eight guys to find good consistent low-end quarterback one play good consistent streamers to to start this season like are you feeling similarly about um the quarterback situation quarterback landscape or do you feel like there's a little bit more depth this time around i really think top five and then i'm probably streaming quarterbacks after that looking at my rankings there's just a lot of like really interesting streaming options. For instance, I have Russell Wilson at quarterback 17, and there is a world where Russell Wilson returns to his former self. Uh, Matthew Stafford is another one. Like he wasn't throwing last year in the summer at all. And we, we wrote that off, but I really think his injury impacted him. And if Matthew Stafford returns close to what he was in their Super Bowl season, you have a top 12 quarterback that you're getting really free. Kyler Murray after the first eight to nine weeks is going to be there. Aaron Rodgers improved offensively, better play calling, better weapons, and he's dropped in ADP between this year and last. Well, I love, I love about better play calling because is it isn't Hackett there? Isn't Hackett presumably going to be calling the plays? He was, if so, he, he uh, yeah, Hackett. yeah, but that was Lafleur calling the plays in Green Correct. Bay. So yeah. downgrade in play calling, upgrade in weapons, just because he has Garrett Wilson and presumably Brees Hall and maybe Dalvin Cook if he goes there. Um, Alan Lazard is moving over, and so he no longer is like the one B. He's the clear two. So yeah, definite upgrade situation. Yeah, I would agree. So I mean, I think like in my rankings, top five, there's a, a pretty obvious tier drop off, uh, and between Herbert Lawrence and Tua and even Fields, like none of those guys, I really have interest in taking early on in drafts. I'd rather just stream at that point and, and stock up at other positions. 
don't worry anybody who is watching on the YouTube or comes back to this later and, and watches on the YouTube and is looking at the ranks I have on the screen right now. We will talk about the Justin Fields rank that Dalton has, just not today. That that'll be saved for a layer debate show. I think Trash. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna clear clean house on the on a board bet or two with <laughs> with Fields this season. Um yeah, like for me, once I get past that top nine, which for me, Dak is is my ninth, I I start to feel pretty iffy. That starts with Deshaun Watson at 10, who we'll get to in a minute and you know i think you mentioned aaron Rodgers, like kirk cousins is just always there you have anthony richardson you have the lower ranked veterans like russ and stafford that that you mentioned i think my main takeaway is once i get past that top eight or nine guys i don't really want to be the first guy to take somebody in that next group or even the first couple i'd rather wait and just grab you know kirk cousins and anthony richardson or kirk cousins and uh matthew stafford like a safe guy and a high upside guy. Or if you have a, a one QB, you know, you, you don't want to take more than one quarterback, just take a, a safe streamer like a Kirk Cousins. Or like if you're in a big league waiting a long time, like Jared Goff is a guy who I think will be hovering around that top 15 type of range. So, yeah, I yeah. I don't want to be early on, on taking those low-end quarterback one high-end streamer options because I think it's just a big blob of guys this year. Yeah, there are guys off this list who like could – end up top 15 like mac jones rookie season was top 15 mm -hmm. you have brock purdy who yeah had some like really stellar performances uh because of his weapons last season so i think the stream is back and alive i think last season quarterback played kind of dropped off and it, it did leave a lot of people in a wasteland for a while i i think it's alive well again I, I just wouldn't overreach on a pocket passer unless their name is like patrick Mahomes or joe yeah Burrow. yeah uh, I'm, I, I I like Trevor Lawrence. I, I think Lawrence will have a good year with with Ridley in the fold if things work out there too. So I, I'd add him to that group, but I'm also fine if people feel a little more iffy about him. Uh, to be sure, and I guess where we should start, Dalton is uh, I we are on opposite sides of the Josh Allen thing as usual. You know, a couple years ago it was very famously you pro Josh Allen, me anti-Josh Allen. I don't know if I even say I'm pro-Josh Allen. I'm just with the public on Josh Allen at quarterback two. And you have him down at quarterback five, which is what you're saying, like the last guy you feel great about. So he's like the bottom of your 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 tier one or tier one B or whatever. But what is it about Josh Allen that has you concerned heading into this season? I have like several confounding factors with this Bills offense that we started to touch on last year. And I think as the season went on, became more obvious that they needed cleared up. The first, the transition from Brian Dabble to the new offensive coordinator and Ken Dorsey, I don't think it's been successful. Josh Allen's turnover rate went up. His turnover rate worthy plays by PFF went up. And if you watched all the way into like the Skylar Thompson playoff game against the Dolphins. Yeah. That offense was like pretty stagnant throughout the end of the season. They, they they were lacking creativity, maybe partially because of play calling, maybe partially because it was digs and then nobody else you could really trust. Yes. Um, and when you look at these top five, like the, these guys are the cream of the crop when it comes to NFL talent. And I think everybody on that list, I trust their offensive situation, whether it be for weapons or for play calling more. Uh, 
And so Josh Allen just took the last. I also, I really think they're going to continue to emphasize that he decreases his run rate during the season. And it seemed like some of their picks in the draft were leaning towards that direction. I think the addition of Damian Harris and even Latavius Murray was to give him less of the short yardage work. I think the addition of Dalton Kincaid is going to be more 12 personnel where Dawson Knox might be more in line to block for them. And when you combine those factors, I think it decreases the number of times he runs. I still think Josh Allen's an incredible player, but I think Ken Dorsey is not the best play caller. They're not doing a good job at reining in Josh Allen's like incredibly turnover worthy, like just throwing the ball up for whoever he can. And for those reasons, I am higher on Burrow, Jackson, and Hurts, and obviously Mahomes than I am for him. And then there's just Stefan Diggs is turning 30, 31 this season. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying he's going to suck because he's very, very good, but you were just putting so much emphasis on him. And unlike with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, like their offensive player calling has not been creative enough to get him easy looks elsewhere. And Gabe Davis and company just haven't shown up to be that for him. So I'd, I'm just not going to overdraft him, and I'd rather let someone else take that risk when it's a very thin margin he's walking. Yeah, so, you know, obviously the Dorsey thing wasn't super smooth last season. I'm hoping that year two um, we see better results uh, from a play-calling perspective. I like adding Kincaid to this mix we've talked about that plenty i'm sure we'll continue to talk about that plenty uh, i like shakir uh, khalil shakir becoming uh, a bigger factor in this offense um and just being able to add more variety with hopefully more weapons and you know i, I kind of think the way i think about the the idea of well jo they want josh allen to run the ball less they're doing this and this it's kind of the same thing to me as they're adding this pass catching running back, whether it's James Cook or Naheem Hines or, you know, whoever. It's like I'll, I'll kind of believe that when I see it. And I think you know, it, it's very close um, at the top with all of those guys. I'm just going to ride with the guy that's been QB1, QB2, and QB2 the last three years. Uh, not in order there, but th those are his fashions the last three years. So I'll just ride that consistency. But those top five guys are also good that it's not like crazy to, to have them in any order, but just thought it was worth mentioning. Cause you've been like the num number one, Josh Allen fan uh, the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I still love him, but I, I just have more questions about that team. And like, especially this early in the season, like there's a non-zero chance. Stefan Diggs gets weirder, just holds out or something. Mm -hmm. Not saying it's going to happen. Um, but with, if that were to happen, like Josh Allen's, I think his his production dips pretty significantly. Yeah, that that would be a problem for sure. Okay, um, Tua Tagovailoa. Um, I was surprised to see you have him up at up at QB eight. I'm down at, at QB fourteen with Tua. His ADP is QB eleven, so we we split the difference there um, with our ranks and with ADP and. I guess I'm lower on, on Tua than Market and than you for two reasons. I think number one, which is the obvious one, is I'm just nervous about the concussions, the injury, you know, just all, all of that just scares me. Like, obviously anybody can get hurt, but we know Tua had two very notable concussions last year. One where he was down in a very scary way. The second one where he, for whatever reason, played the rest of the game 
but then was in concussion protocol from Christmas Eve until February 1st, which is not normal. Like that, that's a long time to be in concussion protocol, at least just in, in my experience of paying attention to the fantasy relevant guys that are in and out of that. Um, I do also wonder just a little bit what this Dolphins offense will be in year two. Like not saying they won't be great. I have Tyreek Hill, like wide receiver five, Waddle also in my top 12. So I'm obviously in on the offense and on the team, but I just wonder if they're going to be quite as good as they were last year and specifically with Tua. You know, I looked at weeks 12 through 15. Those were his last four healthy games. He was the quarterback 13 in that stretch. You know, pretty solid, almost 16 points a game. But he was held under 200 passing yards twice. That was San Francisco and the Chargers. He also played Buffalo and, and Green Bay in that stretch. And that was after a stretch of Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, and Houston. So that was uh, really bad defenses to, to pretty solid defenses. I, I'm just curious what their counter is going to be. And so I guess I'm kind of dinging them for the way they ended last season before he got hurt. You know, he was a QB 11 in points per game last year. And I'm just taking that, adding a little injury concern. And that that is making me want to avoid Tua at cost right now. Yeah. And just, I, and I know you know this, but just so anybody listening knows this, like my rankings are where I think the player will finish. That doesn't mean you should draft them there. Like mm-hmm. obviously you should still take, I would take to a, a round ahead of ADP. I'm not going to take the four rounds ahead, which is where a QB eight is probably going right now. Uh, but that that's part of the baked in injury concern for me. I think his ADP is reflecting that. And I, I like the idea that this offensive line now has two years together. I think mm-hmm. continuity for offensive lines improves them. Uh, you know, I think we saw a bit of what he can do before his concussion against Cincinnati game. Like that Baltimore game, there were just so many open looks for Waddle and Tyree Kill, and we're giving McDaniels a full offseason mm-hmm. to kind of scheme around those guys. And I'm just buying into the talent and the offensive environment because I think this is like out of all the pocket passers, and I don't think Trevor Lawrence is a pocket passer for what it's worth, mm-hmm. he – probably has the highest ceiling because his weapons are so incredible. Like Kirk Cousins is going to be a ho-hum like 10 or 11, but every week you could get a QB1 performance from a pocket passer because he has Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle who can take yeah. a, a 30-yard you know slant route to the house. Yeah, I mean, they could take a, a, a one-yard uh, bubble screen to the house from, from anywhere. Like the, those guys are electric and can obviously prop him up. So, yeah, it's – it's a very fine line between QB eight and 14 and, you know, 11 in the middle, really. So like there, again, not that big a difference, but, but yeah, I I'm just a little bit lower on, on two other consensus, you know, la- last guy I wanted to talk about, and then we can move on to um, receiver ranks. And again, we'll talk about Justin Fields later on. We'll talk about Daniel Jones, who Dalton has down lower uh, than me right now. You know, Anthony Richardson more in detail. Some of those guys later on. But where we should finish is Deshaun Watson, who we both, I believe, yep, I have QB 10, you have QB 11. So we are both telling people you should draft Deshaun Watson as a starter for your team because we have him ranked inside the top 12 that's also what adp is telling us too dalton on a scale of one to ten how comfortable do you feel about the idea of deshaun watson as your week one starter on your fantasy football team 
and I think you probably agree with me on this, but this ranking was almost just respect for two years ago when he was good, or three years ago, three years ago, three years ago when he was a quality player in the NFL, and like a lot of people were debating between him and Mahomes one and two, um, because what we saw on the field last season was pretty terrible, and I've looked at a lot of the the write ups about what the situation was. A lot of those were bad weather games, but. He plays in Cleveland. Dalton is just all over the Cleveland. Well, I mean, weather, that is, he, that is, is the, on, he is on it. That is the excuse people are giving Deshaun Watson's performances where he had like sub 200 yard games. It is because they were bad weather games. Mm-hmm. But he also plays in Cleveland, which is the most notorious lake effect snow stadium in, in, <laughs> in the NFL. And like, it's not like Cleveland's going to be warmer this year. Like, those things aren't going to change. And I don't know, Dalton, global warming is real. Cleveland <laughs> might be warmer this year. It might be, but not by enough. Uh, and, like, as we get closer to the season, I'm going to have trouble not dropping Deshaun Watson in my rankings. I don't know if you feel the same. Because the offensive environment isn't, like, super great for a quarterback. It's Amari Cooper who's getting older by the year, struggles with it. But, but, but I think it's pretty decent, though. You mentioned Cooper, but you have Elijah Moore who we like but just hasn't had big production. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones can be your theoretical three that you have high hopes for. You're relying on him a little bit less. And, you know, we like Njoku, too. So I don't think it's great, but I think it's fine. Yeah, well – it's okay, but like, is it better than Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers? Like, because that's really what it comes down to. No. And then, like, the product Deshaun Watson put on the field last season was terrible. Like, he was throwing goose eggs up. He was out competed by Jacoby Brissett when Jacoby Brissett played. And he has a, a terrific offensive line. So I'm very out on Deshaun Watson. This is one of those I will take him as my QB1 if it's round 10 because there's a lot of hypothetical upside. But that upside can be found later, too, with guys like – like, I don't see a big difference in the bets we're making with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson other than their ADP. Yeah, the the difference is um, Deshaun is a lot younger. So with Russ, you worry more that, oh, he's just lost it and it's never coming back because he's 34. Whereas Deshaun, it's uh, – it's just I don't know. It's it, Like, I can't even re- – can we just blame it on on the time off? Like, is it just that? Like, I, I don't know. But it's less clear. Like, it's a less clear reasoning as to why he was so bad as opposed to Russ where you can say bad coaching. You can say age drop off. You, you can say, you know, whatever. Um, whereas Deshaun, I, I just don't know. And maybe that should make him scarier because at least Russ has had a couple of those things improved. Not age, but the, the bad coaching. But I, I don't know. I, I think um, – the concern with ha- – like, it's funny. QB10 feels both too low and too high at the same time with for Deshaun Watson because he was the QB3 in 2020 and, like, one of the best players in the NFL. It's why, despite everything that's gone on, he got this massive contract and the Browns were willing, more than willing, to trade for him. You, you just hope, if you're a Deshaun Watson drafter, that a normal offseason – can basically teach him how to play football again the way that he did before because he was very, very bad last season. And you mentioned whether or not he'll be a dropper in ranks. Like, he's probably the number one guy I'm watching in preseason games this year. I try not to pay too close of attention to those for for too many guys. 
but he had, if we're, you know, he played in the preseason last year and he had terrible games and they were really not games. They were like drives, like two drives is all he got. But there wasn't that one game where he was like one of seven or O of seven and the two drives he played. In the yeah. His very first drive, he was over seven. <laughs> and everybody was like, well, it's preseason. Let's not look too into it. Yeah. So I, I think if anything similar or just anything negative really at all, happens in the preseason with him it'll it'll be very easy for me to talk myself into dropping his rank or if he looks great in the preseason i'll probably look at him and look at dak and think okay which one of these guys has more upside if everything hits and maybe maybe make that adjustment so yeah it it's tough he's definitely going to be one of the more intriguing storylines if i had to give uh, a confidence level right now scale of one to ten i'm giving it a four but this is where you have to draft him if you're drafting Deshaun Watson. I, I will say, like, my advice I would have for anybody thinking about drafting Deshaun Watson is if you're the type of fantasy owner that has a hard time letting go. And but what, what I mean by letting go is if a big name guy disappoints you, you know, for a couple of weeks, if you're outside of like the elite guys, right? But like if a big name guy puts up a couple of disappointing games. If you in the past have been hesitant to bench that player, this probably is not the guy you want to draft. Like, I, I think you have to be able to have a quick trigger to move on from Deshaun Watson if you draft him. Yeah. And I went and looked, and I've only drafted him in two of my 28 best ball drafts so far. <laughs> and both those drafts, I went three quarterback, which I generally don't do. Uh, and that's a sign of how I feel about whether or not he'll be like, the rest of Cleveland is good enough that I'm not going to be totally unsurprised if like we're in week 12 and Deshaun Watson is still the starting quarterback, but is averaging 20 passes a game. And they're just really relying on their defense and Nick Chubb to do the work. Oh, they better not. They better not do that. They, they better not because they paid this man a lot of money to have a Baker Mayfield type of workload. But he, I mean, it's just, and like you said, I mean, he might just suck now and the guy got a fully guaranteed contract and has no reason to care to get better. Like, I'm not, these aren't arguments that I think you need to use to validate where you're going to be. But if there's anybody in the NFL who has no incentive to care about how he plays, it's Deshaun Watson because he has all that money is his no matter what. Uh, between the two of us, I think we have uh, combined 29 best ball drafts. So we have that going Ooh, for us. Nice. <laughs> All right, a guy, Dalton, that I think would like to draft himself onto a new team, and we're moving on to to wide receiver with, with this, is Devontae Adams. You know, he, he's a very tough guy to rank. He's wide receiver 8 and 10 for us, 8 for me, 10 for you. Um, I think the main question with Adams is, does he have any upward or downward mobility for you, or is this just kind of – the Devonte Adams placeholder rank because he's Devonte Adams, and I'm just keeping him there no matter what until draft starts. Uh, I mean, to start this, there has been some like weirdness around whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo is a Raider because of his failed physical, and apparently it was like written into his contract. If Jimmy Garoppolo is, yeah, I was gonna say Raider, it's more than weirdness. It's like a restructured contract yeah. from what they originally agreed on. Uh, his introductory press conference got pushed back because there were things they had to work out. Um, again, I, I, I'll go look right now and see if he has a yardage prop. Uh. <laughs> but this is definitely like one of those situations where I am more excited 
to not draft Devontae Adams because of Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy Garoppolo ends up not being a Raider, I think Devontae Adams has a higher ceiling. This is like probably one of the worst deep passers in you, the so, NFL. So if he's not a Raider, like you realize that's Brian Hoyer throwing him past. Yeah, he's not I, a Raider, would, right? I would feel better about that. Really? I would uh, not. I would not. I just, Jimmy Garoppolo is, the, I think he's 34th out of 36 qualifying quarterbacks over the last three years in in deep fall rating. Like he's just very, very bad at doing it. And then you combine Josh McDaniels adding Jacoby Myers and still having Hunter Renfro on this roster. I feel like it's going to be checked down city. And I would just prefer somebody else who's willing to uncork it. Uh, and then the final part of this ranking is I think Josh McDaniels is a terrible play caller. Like he has been pretty bad as of recent. There are 25 passing yards props on DraftKings. Jimmy Garoppolo is not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no no Raiders quarterback, to be clear, is, yeah. is one of them. So that is the, the crux of the uncertainty, why Adams is so hard to rank. But he's still eight for me because he's one of the best receivers in football. Clearly, like, Derek Carr is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. But Derek Carr is not, like, a whole nother level from Jimmy G. You know, if – if Derek Carr is the 15th best quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo is maybe the 23rd best quarterback in, in the NFL if he starts this year. And yet Devontae Adams was the wide receiver three in total points and points per game last year. So he still just has to have this spot, even with the downgrade, even with the uncertainty. But he definitely has mobility for me. Number one, like I am definitely lowering him if it's Brian Hoyer throwing him passes uh behind brian hoyer is a gentleman named aiden o'connell who i don't know where he Rookie went out school. of purdue i was gonna say don't don't know a thing about mr aiden o'connell but i ha cannot anticipate that would be good for Devonte adams if that was his quarterback like it would not shock me at all if Devonte adams before the season in week five when they're zero and five like whatever if he is like all right get me out of here I i'm done with this and if he gets traded you're your eyebrows are kind of raised. You're hoping that he goes to a better situation. Um, in that case, it, you know, if they're 0 and 5, if Josh McDaniels is rightfully fired at that point and he wants out, like I could totally see that too. So I, I think there's just a lot to watch with this situation in Vegas. And it's unfortunate because we have one of the best receivers in football who it's not like the Keenan Allen thing where the anchor was. Tyrod Taylor slash a rookie quarterback who people just thought wasn't ready. It's like a quarterback we know is below average and was propped up by a great play caller and then just a, a pure backup in Brian Hoyer. So the situation just not ideal and it's too bad because Devontae Adams is right at the end of his prime and is a truly awesome player. Yeah, I mean, terrible for him that he went from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr to – Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. It's been a descent into madness for him, I'm sure. Over under two and a half quarterbacks throw a pass for the Raiders this year. Over. <laughs> I think so. I think so too, which is a problem. All right. Calvin Ridley, uh, Dalton, we are both full steam ahead on, on Calvin Ridley, despite the fact that he has not played a game since I believe October. 2021 you have him wide receiver 17 and you even have a tear break after calvin ridley so he is strongly wide receiver 17 for you he's wide receiver 20 for me uh no tear break between 17 and 20 really so right right in that neighborhood as well and you know i guess i'll start 
with with Ridley. Obviously, he hasn't played since 2021. We don't know what he's going to look like. He's obviously tweeted some things over the last couple of years and said some things that make us think, okay, he's gotten healthy. He's been working out. He's in great shape. You know, that's all just noise. We, we don't know one way or another for sure, but we obviously both have, have high hopes in that regard. But even if he comes back to something close to his 2021 form, like he's probably going to outperform where we have him ranked and already. And I think his ADP is even a little bit lower where we both have him, more like the 25 to 27 type of range. You know, it's pretty common thought to say that Ridley fell off in 2021 from 2020 when he was the wide receiver for that season with uh, Matt Ooh. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with Julio uh, obviously on the team too, but the 2021 thing, is a combination of a terrible Matt Ryan year at quarterback. Combine that with Cordero Patterson, if anybody remembers, scoring just all of the touchdowns for uh, for the Falcons through the first month and a half of that season. And then it continued, really, <laughs> for the most part, throughout that season, too. Like, you look at reception perception, he was 87th percentile against man, 66th against zone and 76th against press in the five games he played that year per Matt Harmon. He says those are pretty much in line with his 2020 numbers, which are just a hair below like elite rate. So the thing about it is the Jags really, really, really need a player like Calvin Ridley. Like We both like Christian Kirk, but they need a number one, a guy that can get open on all three levels, a guy that can win all three levels for, for Trevor Lawrence. And I think, if this hits, it has the potential to hit even bigger than where we have him ranked. And I think this is probably for us kind of a, a middle ground, Dalton. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, and I have that tier break there at 17 because after that, I think it gets really muddled on like if these guys could be your wide receiver one mm -hmm. on your roster even. Um, and I think we both expect – continued strides forward for Trevor Lawrence. He he showed nothing but improvement once getting out of that terrible Urban Meyer offense. This is probably one of the best wide receiver situations in the NFL between Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Calvin Ridley. He's going to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one and open looks just because defenses are going to have to really work to help against a great wide receiver three in Zay Jones, who was a top 24 guy for most mm -hmm. of last year, and Christian Kirk, who – is definitely a field stretcher and way more uh, athletic than we initially thought he was going to be. And then they have Evan Ingram even mm. as, as their tight end. Like they have enough pass options here that Calvin Ridley is going to get a ton of helpful looks. And I think this offense continues to move forward. It's just there. I don't, I get the risk, but with the way wide receiver is this year, you can really stockpile enough guys that I'm willing to take a risk at 17 mm -hmm. with a guy who has a top four finish, you know? Yeah, like for me, basically, once I got past DK Metcalf at 14, like the next 15 or so guys, I've you could give me about any order for those guys. Like we, we have Ayuk both 17, mm -hmm. and I think most people, or you have him 18, sorry, I have him 17. Most people would have him in the, the early 30s or late 20s. And I, I think that's a, a reasonable stance too. Like it's very flat. Plus, let's have him above Debo, which yeah, and I, I yeah, and I think actually that's um, I I haven't looked at both their ADPs, but just in the other 
podcasts I've listened to, it seems like that's where people are leaning. So I don't think we're alone in that. I think we may be a little alone in how high we are on Ayuk specifically, but I think the the order is not too crazy, um, really. I, I think Debo's going a good three rounds ahead of Ayuk. Really interesting. Yeah, I can I can look it up and get us an idea of it. Right now in ADP, Debo Samuel is wide receiver fifteen. Ayuk is wide receiver thirty-two. God, this is gonna be like the. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to make Ayuk is gonna have to be like a permanent my guy on on this podcast. All right, Deontay Johnson. Um, again, kind of the same thing with Ridley Dalton. We are both uh, telling people that we are full steam ahead on on Deontay this year. You know, I have him wide receiver twenty four. You have him wide receiver nineteen. Like I thought, I was gonna be the high man and have to really defend myself on the Deontay Johnson thing, but we're both pretty much right there, and you're even slightly higher. Like he's a guy that is going well after where we have him ranked. But what's the case for a big time bounce back for Deontay Johnson this year? Well, for starters. This guy is going as wide receiver 36 right now. And he had 11 games with double-digit targets. Mm-hmm. We have seen now through three quarterbacks, including a bunch of backups, so probably up to six, Deontay Johnson commands these double-digit targets like with whoever's playing quarterback, yeah, no matter who it is. It's not just because Big Ben has a dead arm. Uh, yes. We have a big sample size. He's 27 years old. He's not old. He's still young. He is still one of the premier route runners in the NFL. And you want me, well, do you want me to give the reception perception stuff on him? Because I, I brought that too. Oh, I would love it. So Deontay Johnson in the reception perception the last season, the season where he had zero touchdowns, mind you, and was like wide receiver 45, was in the 85th percentile against man, 88th against zone, and 84th against press per Matt Harmon. Uh, one of the best separators in the NFL, like just plain and simple. He's a legit number one wide receiver on this team in the NFL and not for fantasy because of his situation, but he can still be a lot better than he was last year. Yeah. Just like an idea of how like wildly terrible last season was for him. He was the 30th wide receiver in PPR and 46th in standard because Mm -hmm. of the touchdown discrepancy. And his expected fantasy points from fantasydata.com put him at wide receiver 18 last season yep. because they're expecting a massive touchdown that he didn't get. I mean, it's the most regression heavy candidate in the NFL. And this, he uh, he's, I, I, I copy and pasted a lot of stuff from, you know, we, we did a show right after the season where it was like guys we still believe in. And Deontay Johnson was, I think the guy for me and probably for both of us at that point, he finished, uh, almost 73 fantasy points below expected last season to give you an idea the guy who was second in that in that category is drake london at 33 so almost 40 points more than the next guy so just all of the positive regression is coming for a guy who's been between five and eight touchdowns every year prior to last year yeah and probably has to be said because we're gonna make a stance on this but it's absurd that him and george pickens are back to back Mm -hmm. like George Pickens is. We have a, to scroll a minute on our list to find Pickens for both of us. He's he's a fine player. I think me and Evan have probably planted ourselves firmly in like the he's a, he's a good player, not great player camp over the last season and a half. 
but DeAndre Johnson is legitimately a superstar. Like if he played with any other quarterback who wasn't an aging Big Ben and then whatever Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky put on the field last year, he would be a top, I mean, 15 pick probably at, at a minimum. Like if Justin Herbert was his quarterback, he'd be taking him top 10 at some points. Yeah. I, it's just absurd he's ranked this low. I don't care how bad that offense is going to be this year. Jonathan Johnson is always open. He's going to continue to be open. Yep. Agreed. Not much more to add outside of what I already have. I, I just, even though we're ahead on ADP on this guy, I really do think the ranking is pretty conservative based on the talent. I mean, yeah. you said it. Wide receiver 18 was the expected finish in PPR last season. Instead, he was in the 40s. Like, this is a guy five to eight touchdowns every season is what he has been at until last season where he had none. God, he got tackled on the one yard line in like week 17 last year. And that was just so painful. I felt so bad for him. He was 11th in the NFL in red zone targets last year and just did not have never single touchdown ninth, most air yards in the NFL, just behind Amari Cooper and ahead of CD lamb, no touchdowns. Like it's absurd. And I've again, don't want to paint the picture that I think he's going to be a top 15 receiver because I don't think situation will allow for it. But, you know, we're bad at predicting situations. Situation can change. If the situation all of a sudden does allow for a top 15 receiver to emerge, it's going to be him and not George Pickens in, in this offense. That's yeah. that guy. I mean, he only scored four more points last season than he did his rookie season. <laughs> it is a little crazy. And he's gotten better every year. And, I we hate Matt Canada. I think we're both pretty clear on that. Yeah. But Mike Tomlin is also like an amazing coach and has made the playoffs every year of his career but once. And he's probably keeping Canada around for some reason that we don't know. Um, so like there's still the outside chance that we're all wrong this offseason that Matt Canada is a bad offensive coordinator. And it turns out it was the big bid and then the transition to a rookie quarterback that really held him back. I'm not gonna bet on it, but you know, last offseason, everybody was ready to lock and load the entire AFC West, and mm -hmm. that turned into a pistol shootout instead of a bazooka show. So, yeah, well, it was uh, it was uh, one team with a machine gun, another with a pistol, and then like uh, two <laughs> some water two, guns, two, yeah, like a water gun and a dull knife. Fourteen <laughs> had with with that one. So yeah, I I, I think we're going to be pretty firmly in the Deontay Johnson corner if you haven't figured that one out and you can see if you're on the youtube that uh george pickens is in the 40s for both of us so we we've definitely planted our flag there and where i think we're gonna have to plant our flag dalton is Kadarius tony it's weird because we have him both wide receiver 36 his adp is like wide receiver 38 so we're right there we're not that much higher but I don't think I've seen a more common name for early bust candidate than Kadarius Tony so far, despite the value that that he's that he can be had at. So I thought it'd be worthwhile for two Chiefs fans and, and guys that follow fantasy football to have this conversation because I really can't figure out why he's such a polarizing player at this rank in general i get it real football sense as the wide receiver one like i get it because we know the history we know the injury history we we know the kind of unrefined route runner that that he's been his first couple of years but 
I mean, you're taking a wide receiver 38. You're not even drafting him to be a starter. So I can't figure out the the big debate on on Tony. And I'm just hoping that we can maybe clear the air from our perspective as to why we think he's actually probably a pretty good value even where we have him at. And like I, I think me personally, I I think this ranking is a little bit just out of fear that I don't know if I fully believe he can stay healthy and be the number one but if he does he's going to outperform the, this rank he's a tough guy to, to pick here yeah well for one in my opinion uh i think it is weak and not a good argument to peg someone as a bus because of injury like i they're just not year-to-year predictive no matter how injury prone a player is it's not a tag that you can say well they're a bus because they're going to get injured mm-hmm. it's it's just not a good argument it's a crappy argument and lazy, and that's the majority of his bust potential. The 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 one thing I will say, um, the maybe extra layer of concern that Tony would have outside of some others would be that a lot of his stuff has been soft tissue. Like he did have the ankle in KC mostly last year, but he also dealt with the hamstring and he dealt with that in New York. So you do worry a little bit more, and it is a little bit more repeatable if it's soft tissue. But in general, I agree with the point, and I agree with – that shouldn't be a reason to say he's wide receiver 50 because he could get hurt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think the starter for this is I'm going to put aside all the advanced analytics because I think there's a real issue with debating a lot of those because of his route percentages and how frequently he's not on the field. Mm-hmm. There are bullshit artists in the NFL when it comes to front offices, but I think Kansas City's front office, and this is because I'm a fan and we follow them so closely – pretty consistently displays what they're going to do. Like last offseason, a lot of people wanted to make Juju, MVS, or Sky Moore in this offense, the wide receiver one, to take Tyreek Hill's spot. And Mahomes and Brett Veach and Andy Reid all said we were looking at like a wide receiver by committee approach. And that turned out to be very much so the case. Mm -hmm. This offseason, it's been really, really heavily pushed from the front office that they think Kadarius Toney is – a legitimate wide receiver one which is and, scaring me on multiple fronts but yeah that that has been the talking point although absolutely. there was there was a little sky more buzz today a little, little there sky was, more buzz there if you was listen, if you listen real closely which by the way i have sky more wide receiver 45 i am a believer he is one of my favorite values right now in drafts um i don't think i have him ranked right now but i i think at the end of the day like you got to read what the front office is saying at least a little bit and put some faith into that and then secondly I mean, well, and they're not just saying it. They're backing it up by they haven't added any, but they've added a rookie in Rasheed Rice, which yeah. we know we shouldn't expect a rookie to make an impact for the Chiefs as a receiver. If he does, great, but don't expect it. So they've lost Juju, haven't added anybody uh, of consequence, uh, just guys around the edges like Richie James. But, but yeah, as of now, we'll see if Hopkins ends up in KSC. But as of now, they have backed up their talk with their lack of action. Yeah. And you can get a guy who, from now jumping into his stats, from when he's on the field, has like one of the best targets per route run in the NFL. In the Super Bowl, where he played 40% of the snaps, like literally changed the tide of the game on a kick return and then scored a touchdown on a walk in because, in motion, he's a very dangerous man. I mean, those are two factors you're getting. The one game last season he played above 50% of the Chiefs' snaps was the Jacksonville Jaguars game, where I think he finished as wide receiver eight on the season. It's funny. I didn't didn't know that fact, but we were talking about Tony offline, 
And I, I mentioned that Jaguars game is the one that always sticks out in my mind as like the what makes me optimistic about Tony. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the one where he actually played more than half the snaps because he was available. <laughs> yeah. And then let's just say he ends up a gadget player. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Last season, Michael Hardman, who I think we can pretty much peg as a gadget player in the NFL at this point, for like week seven to 10 was a top 10 wide receiver based on <laughs> touchdowns because of how the chiefs used him as gadget player. And yeah. we're all in agreement that Tony with the ball in his hands is a better player than Michael Hart. Oh yeah. He he's way more elusive. He's more powerful. Yeah. Um, all, all of those things. Yeah. So at wide receiver 38, you're taking a bet that the best QB in the NFL, you might get his wide receiver one, which granted is a wide receiver two because of Travis Kelsey, but still that there there's, I'm not going to give like top 10 upside, but there's certainly top 20 upside with like any week because he's such a fast player. He could get that one, you know, 80 yard bomb from Mahomes, And you don't get that with a lot of other offenses. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's realistic top 10 upside necessarily, but that top 1% outcome is probably top 10 upside. Like it, it is in there if everything goes perfectly. Now we're not saying that's going to happen. Because if we thought that that was a even decently likely outcome, he'd be wide receiver twenty two instead of thirty six for us. But yeah, I you aren't drafting to be a starter. He's your top bench guy, and, and I know the route running stuff. I know, but there's kind of some conflicting stuff there. Like Harmon hates it, Waldman doesn't seem to mind it, and Seth Kaiser, you know, loves Tony as a player. So it's just Tony is a really tough guy to figure out as a route runner, but. What we do know is that he, we knew he was raw coming out of Florida, that he would need time to work. We know that he was in a very bad situation year one in New York and then was just kind of a guy that uh, was made an example out of in year two and traded, I, I think, and kind of a, a culture setter for New York. Um, and rookie receivers don't do much in Kansas City. It's really hard to expect a guy to come in midseason if he's not like a truly crazy player and and do much for the Chiefs as a pass catcher. Like it's truly a testament to Juju that he was so good. Uh obviously not as young as these guys, but that he was so good last season. He, he's obviously he's not Tyree Kill. He's never gonna be. But you're telling me a player with his athletic gifts, with the best offensive coaches in football, can't make him a more refined route runner and he can improve. And if he stays relatively healthy and plays, you know, 13 or 14 games that he can't outproduce this or at least come up with wide receiver 36. Like, yeah, I, I, and I just don't, I don't get the bust argument really with Tony outside of the whole injury thing, which again, like you said, hard to predict, but I'm buying Tony as, as a bench receiver for my team because he just has upside that, that guys in that range, just, like, frankly, just don't. Like Traylon Burks, I know he's the clear one in Tennessee, but it's Tennessee. He he just does not have that upside. Jordan Addison, he decent situation, is a good player, I think, but he has Justin Jefferson in front of him and not nearly as prolific as an offense. Like you can just go down the list of guys in that range, and I think pretty easily say not the same upside that that Tony has. Yeah, and this is a bit of a straw man. But it just it's really funny to me that a lot of the people who wanted to hype Gabe Davis as a top 15 wide receiver last yeah. season 
are out on Kadarius Tony for like a lot of the same reasons. Like, oh, well, he's not a good route runner. Well, neither was Gabe Davis, but you wanted to tout him. And there's certainly a way more athletic profile yes. behind Kadarius Tony. And like you said, like coming into the NFL two seasons ago, anybody who looked at Kadarius Tony's tape was telling you that he was a very, very unrefined route runner and he was going to need time to get better at those things. And then he landed in a New York situation for a season that was probably one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And then he moved on to Brian Dabble, who couldn't trade Kenny Galladay and make like, you know, and make an example out of him because yeah. of his contract. And Tony definitely has uh what's what's the best word for this? He has problems like off the field. Like the guy definitely like the Dallas Cowboys game two years ago is an example of that where he yeah. tried to beat someone with his helmet. Um, but Andy Reid is also probably the best coach to fix players who have off the field problems. If you just look at his history with guys, I mean, Michael Vick is the shining example, but he loves to give guys second chances. And this is one of the best locker rooms in the NFL to learn how to be a professional. Um, and it's certainly a team that's not going to be any off the worst if Kadarius Tony doesn't play, which probably takes some pressure off him. Uh, so he has the time to develop and it's just worth taking a shot. If you were somebody touting MVS as a top 30 player last year, you should be touting Kadarius Tony in the same vein. Yeah, and even if you ta even if you weren't all in on Gabe Davis, but you had him wide receiver thirty, which is about where where I had him. Like I, I think it's very you know you should very much have Kadarius Tony in in that similar range. Number two weapon, unproven, has shown flashes and has upside. Except I think we both agree, like you said, as a player, he has more upside than than Gabe Davis. And and, and yeah, it's just you know Tony, it, he's so tough to get a read on because he's been in not good situation the first year and then came through. Like, I really don't like the argument where it's like, okay, he's a gadget player because he was just out of the backfield. He was doing all of these things in Kansas city. He wasn't doing the, the big boy stuff, the, the true number one stuff, which he did start doing a little bit more of at the end of the season, by the way, but he wasn't doing that throughout the year. It's like, well, yeah, he came over in midseason to a team trying to win the Super Bowl. He's probably not going to get the full playbook thrown at him and learned right away. So I think we kind of have to trust the Chiefs, what they're selling us right now a little bit, and trust what we've seen with our eyes when the guy's been on the field and and just hope that ups upside hits. And if not, you're not out that much. That That's the last thing that, that I'll say here. Yeah, and I mean, my closing argument is, I like, Seth Kaiser, Chief of the North, who I think is a good – insight into Kansas City said he thought that Jacksonville Jaguars game was when the Kansas City Chiefs really wanted to give Kadarius Tony a full workload that this is the playoff game not the in-season game and obviously he got injured the game before and couldn't play I think week one this is one of those watch really heavily and see how involved he is even if his stat line doesn't come out you need to be observant and if you know if he's on the field for 30 percent of the snaps again it's probably one of those guys I'm more than comfortable cutting in the next couple of weeks but Again, you're getting him at wide receiver 36 in rounds 9 and 10, where you should be okay with doing that. And it's definitely of value because if he plays 70% of the snaps, he's outscoring his ADP, no doubt in my mind. Yep. Agreed with you there. And that is going to do it for episode 107 of the Half Point for Podcast. Give us a follow, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Half Point for Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube. The link to all of those things will be in the show notes, as always. The link to... Uh, these ranks in, in written form also in the show notes this week like they were last week. 
Our show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. Leave us a five-star review. And thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you again 